Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Fraser Wilson and I'm joined today by Johnny McFarlane, who's without his partner in crime, Scott McDermott, who's gone wall in Paris. Sorry, what's that? Oh, oh he's, he's enjoying a well-earned holiday. <laughs> <laughs> he wishes he was in Paris, mate. He wishes he was in Paris. <laughs> uh, sorry, Scott. He's enjoying a well, well-earned holiday after his hard work over the channel last week covering Rangers in France. And speaking of which, there's lots to discuss in today's pod. Since we were last podding, Rangers defeated Nice 2-1 to win the Viola Cup and followed that up with a 4-0 win against Motherwell at Ibrox. But before all that, we'll go straight to today's big news, and that's the signing of Nigeria international Leon Balogun. Apologies if I've not pronounced that correctly, but Johnny, what what do you make of this move? Well, I just got off the phone to a contact at Brighton. David Weir by uh, any chance? (laughs) No, not David Weir, but I won't be giving it away who it is. (laughs) But um, I spoke in depth with him about uh, Leon Balogun, and he was very complimentary. He said that He's a big game player. He rises to the occasion, which I think is something that Steven Gerrard will be looking for. He says he's a model pro. He's great around the dressing room. He's a humble lad, a quiet lad. He's not a shouter or necessarily a, a, the, the kind of bombastic leader that you might associate with Rangers central defenders of the past. Yeah. But he is a model professional. He is very, very physically strong. Six foot three. Very, very powerful. And uh, he came to Brighton from uh, Mainz, where he had uh, played for a number of years in the Bundesliga. So a lot of experience in the top flight there, which we know is a very, very high quality league. And he came in as a a third or fourth choice centre half. Um, Duncan Duffy, obviously, very highly regarded at Brighton in terms of the central defensive partnership. So he knew he wasn't coming in his first pick, but my contact says never let anyone down. Solid, dependable, very comfortable on the ball. Occasional, occasional mistakes because he is a guy who likes to play get the ball down, knock it around. Uh, had a wee look at Scout there and had a, a scout through some of the, the, the passes that he's made. And there was a, a, an instant wigging against Fulham in the last game that he played where he was getting high-pressed high by Fulham and uh, he very nearly lost the ball. But overall, Fraser, he looks very, very comfortable and natural on the ball, happy to pass the ball out, and his passing was actually really, really sharp uh, for, in terms of the wide scoop footage I saw from that game. So I think that would be a positive for Rangers. At 32, he will be their oldest centre half by a significant margin. Conor Goldson's 27, Philip Hellander's 27, Nikola, Nikola Katic, obviously we know is injured, is 23. And uh, George Emerson's the youngest of the bunch at 22. So he's got five years' experience on these guys in two of the biggest leagues in the world, the Premier League and the Bundesliga. 
So I think he'll come in and be a real common influence on that back line. Um, and as a free transfer, 32 times cap Nigerian international, I think Rangers fans are entitled to think this looks like a real good move. One last thing, Fraser, before I stop this monologue, <laughs> is, <laughs> is that he's away from my lunch in the time. He's right-footed, Fraser, but he's he, he plays predominantly on the left side of a back four. Right. So we, we know that Philip Hellander's not played in yeah. the preseason so far. We're not quite sure what's going on there, if there's be a re, been a reoccurrence of injury or whatever. Um, but that is his, his more natural position. Now, we know Katic tended to play on that side as well, um, but it gives Rangers another option there um, as alongside Hellander uh, and Katic, who we know is currently injured, is going to be out for at least six months, and Hellander, who we're unsure of his status. Yeah, all very interesting in this this new face. Of course, uh, Stephen Gerrard had to move quickly to fill a void a couple of years ago, and he brought in Gareth McCauley. Uh, no, big Balogun's clearly got a good few years on Gareth McCauley. He's not quite of that vintage yet. But um, when you, when you're talking about his experience and his pedigree, there, I have to admit something that stood out for me, despite of having been at some pretty big clubs. In his entire career for a 32-year-old, he's only played 226 club matches. Doesn't it seem an awful lot? Whether he's maybe one of those guys that fills in at every club he's been at, I don't know, but he's going to have to hit the ground running at Rangers, isn't he? Yeah, well, I think the, 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 there's maybe a number of reasons for that. Um, obviously, I've, I've not drilled into the full detail of his career. He did When he went to Mainz, he played a lot more games than he played prior to that yeah. so that seemed to be the, the sort of launch pad for his career um, but to be honest Fraser I, I'm not sure he will naturally come in as the automatic first pick at Rangers either so perhaps it's it's a smart move to have a player who's coming in with good pedigree who isn't going to be a expecting 50 or 60 games Aye. you know in, in a packed season for Rangers because let's face it the guys that are in there at the moment, Edmondson and Connor Goldson, they've worked hard to to become first picks there. You've got Hellander, who's a £3.5 million signing, who'll be chomping at the bit to get in as well. And I don't think it'll be too good for the morale of those guys if this guy comes straight in Aye, and, and is playing all these games. There, there, there is going to be a, a need for these four defenders to be rotated throughout the course of this season. I think Rangers were perhaps a little bit guilty um, of of not given not using their squad more fully last year. Now I also saw criticism that said the Rangers rotated the defence too much. I just I just think honestly that in modern football, Fraser and you as a football player and a football coach will be able to tell me your opinion on this. But I just think in modern football, the demands of physical intensity means you just have to rotate. It's not going to be able to go back to those days where Richard Goff played every game at the back. I just I think those days are long gone. No, certainly with the, the number of games Rangers um, are playing um, the last couple of seasons, you know, you're, you're touching 60. Uh, there's not a chance anyone could withstand that. But I am a big believer in central defensive partnerships being your most important partnership on the park. Um, now, interestingly mentioned there, the Balogun's coming in off a, a run of games at um, Wigan. So that, that's one thing in his favour. He should be ready to hit the ground running. But there's Rangers posted three excellent clean sheets in a row uh, with 
Edmondson playing alongside uh, Connor Goldson. And, uh, you know, big George Edmondson is raw, but there's something natural I like about the way he reads the game and he, and, and he just defends with his heart, you know, wearing his heart and his sleeve. There's something I like there. And t- to be fair, as I know, t- Philip Hellander is going to have to step up to the plate now. He's been there for a, a year and has never quite nailed down that position. So for me, it looks like uh, you've got George Edmondson starting the season next to Conor Goldson, and then I think it's their shirts to lose, is it not? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Fraser. George Edmondson's been really impressive. Now, defensively in these last few games... He's, he's barely put a foot wrong. Where he has made mistakes is in his distribution, which is really odd because the one thing that anybody who's watched George Edmondson from last season would say about his game was that he's very comfortable with the ball at his feet for a big guy, you know, who is, uh, how would you describe it? He's he's uh, top know. heavy in terms of he's a big physical broad-shouldered unit. Yeah. Um, he's got a lovely delicate pass and he can ping the ball beautifully so to see him make a, a couple of mistakes over the two games in France was 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 odd uh, the one against Nice in particular I think where he gave the ball away just at the edge of the box was it was a really bad one and could have been and should have been punished um, and I think he would have been heavily criticized for that but overall uh, his defending has been excellent I think he's done enough to justify that he gets that that spot uh, against Aberdeen in terms of Hellander Fraser I think you're a wee bit wee bit harsh on him just because he really came on a game for me uh, after the first, once he got settled in, after the first period he got settled in. And uh, I think he was pretty solid uh, throughout his his initial spell in the team. But of course, he got a bad injury and that has completely wiped out the rest of his season. The last game he played, I think, was uh, against Celtic in the League Cup final where he got injured. And he was, he was playing solidly in that game as well. So I feel a little bit for the big man. But the, the one thing I would say about him as good a sort of siege defender as he looks and as comfortable he is deal- dealing with the bread and butter, he's not the fastest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think sometimes that's been exploited. I think you saw Rangers against Feyenoord. Um, he was up against a couple of nippy strikers and that caused him serious problems. But as I've said in this podcast to Scott many times, the one thing I like about Philip, Philip Hellander is he drives forward with the ball and passes the ball forward. Whereas there's a propensity with Connor Goldson, although he is improving in this um to pass the ball sideways and to, and to kind of slow the game a little bit. Um, Hellander takes the ball and is brave and pushes forward and, and it basically moves the ball past that first line of defence, which is the strikers, and opens teams up a little bit more. And I think if Balogun can do that, I think you might see more of him in the team than, than, we're, than we're expecting. And, and certainly looks very comfortable in that regard from the, the, the small amount of footage I've watched in preparation for the podcast. Okay, mate, let's move to the other end of the pack then. And as always, sticking with transfer news, Alfredo Morelos has been linked with a, a move. Surprise, surprise. This time it's Leo. <laughs> this time it's Leo sticking with the French team as well. Um, what, what do you make of this one? Is this a deal that Rangers, you think, would possibly go for with their current situation? With injury to Germain Defoe? Listen, this is the million dollar question. I think that's Gerard's own quote. And it's one that must have been really racking his brains over this extended break. Because do you trust Morelos for a full season? You know, there'll be Rangers fans going, of course, he scored 30 goals. He's a, he's a terrific player. Why are people so hard on him? The fact is he's had seven red cards 
in just over a season and three quarters. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he's also had spells during those seasons where he's completely just dropped in terms of his form off the cliff. So while no one could say that Alfredo Morelos at his best isn't a fantastic striker, one of the best, if not the best in Scotland, um, the problem is you have to be realistic and say there's also periods when he's let his manager down. And that'll be racking at Steven Gerrard because he'll know that if Morelos lets him down again this season, when 10 in a row is on the line, he'll be blamed. He'll be blamed for not shipping him out. Um, so if an offer was to come in of £15 million with, say, a 25% sell-on fee, Rangers would look at Lille and say, well, this is a club that's just about to sell Victor Oshie, Oshie, I can't even pronounce his name, Ossiem, a Nigerian striker who's lightning quick, by the way, and I think it'll be a great sign for Napoli, 60 million quid. Rangers will look at that and think, well, if they've already been able to sell a striker on like that, then there's no reason to see why they can't do it again with Morelos. They're a club that's renowned for bringing through top-class young players. They signed Timo Weah, for example. I know he's had a bad injury, but he's one of the next ones that they're planning to do the same with. And they'll think to themselves, well, if you get a big sell-on fee for, from, from a Lille, then there's a potential for, for a huge upside down the line. Aye. Um, so I can totally see why that would be attractive uh, in terms of those figures. But at the same time, we've just seen Jermaine Defoe limp off for the hamstring injury. Now, we know that's going to be three to six weeks, depending on how he recovers from that, um, based on previous hamstring injuries. Now, of course, it might be more serious than that. We don't know. But it's still a period of time where Rangers have got a lot of very, very important games. And it leaves them with just Alfred Morelos and then Greg Stewart, who's, for me, not really a natural number nine. Um, so it's a real it's a real poser it's a real difficult one and I think Stephen Gerrard is going to have to wait and see what comes in and then just make a a, a snap judgement and I suppose it'll also depend on who you could get in Yeah, um, because you, you just cannot you cannot be a Rangers manager going in, into a season where you could uh, allow Celtic to win their 10th title in a row with just Greg Stewart as your, as your forward line that's just not going to work Nah, and full, full look at the fact Morelos hasn't scored yet. Well, he scored the Ham, against Hamlin, of course, but in those mm. three games, no goals. And there could be slight concern there, but you've got to say his work rate is still, still second to none. He's bringing players into play, and with the form that Hadji and Ryan Kent appear to be on right now, heading into the season, that, that's a key asset for Rangers up there. Um, so even if he's not finding the net himself he's still playing a really important part of what's been a decent pre-season and um, how, how do you replace that? Would, would a Lyndon Dykes for instance perhaps fill the same role? I think he might but um, that, that's all ifs and buts isn't it? Well, that, that, that's why I like Lyndon Dykes Fraser because for me he's one of these few players these diamonds in the rough that you could go and get that can do all the things a modern striker can, needs to do now, you get a lot of strikers up here in Scotland who are great finishers. You know, Lawrence Shankland would come into that. Um, but but can they hold the ball up? Can they run in behind? Do they have pace to stretch teams? Not like are they London going to Dykes. cause problems? No. That, that's no. the thing about London Dykes to me. He's quick. He's powerful. He's good in the air. He runs the channels. He's a brilliant presser. So he'd yeah. fit right into that, that, into that Gerrard uh, attacking game plan. Well, he's a workhorse. So every time I, I, I saw him last year, every time I saw him last year, he was a solid seven or eight out of ten. Yeah. He just seems like a guy with uh, the uh, the potential to be 
someone who, if he doesn't go to Rangers, goes down for maybe 500 grand to a, a championship club, scores 17 goals, and before you know it, is moving on for 10 million quid. I've just got yeah. a feeling about him. Uh, I might be wrong. I've had I've had wrong feelings before, but I just think Lyndon Dykes has got a lot of quality and a lot of uh, potential in his locker. And I think Rangers would be wise to, to to step in there, especially for a sort of third choice striker. Yeah. Now we need to move on and look back at those games um, that we, we, we referred to earlier. Um, the, the game against Nice, another 2-0 victory. What, what did he make of that one, Johnny? Another very, very good, very, very um, assured performance against solid European opposition. Um, I think we shouldn't get too carried away by this uh, Viola tournament win because... I do think the games kind of fell in Rangers' favour a little bit. Now, let me explain that. Leon played a significantly weakened lineup to start the game against Rangers, and Rangers dominated that that first half. And they only sort of threw on their real talent towards the end of the game. Now, that's taken nothing away from from what was a terrific win. And Leon's second string is still it should probably still beat Rangers given the the, the quality of player and the amount of money they spent. Uh, their centre half Anderson, the Danish centre half, for example, is a thirty million pound player. That, so that, so that, that puts that, it into that, context. That's, that's, that means nothing. I wasn't yeah. impressed with him at all. Yeah, no, that, that's true, but it puts it into context the value of that squad. Yeah. Um so it, it was a great result. But again, I do think, you know, if, if uh, for example, Rangers would be coming up against Dembele and Depay, you know, right at it, desperate to, to to get goals from the start, like they did against Celtic, for example, it might have been a more difficult game for Rangers. And then going against Nice again, Nice started the game with, her, with, with more youngsters on the pitch and then brought on more experienced players. But listen, the counter-argument to that is Rangers did the opposite. They started off with a strong side and then they, they blended the young players in. So, so however you cut it, it was two great results. Um, I thought Rangers played really well. But do you know what, uh, Fraser? It's nothing we don't know or don't expect from Rangers. They are a very accomplished counter-attacking European side. We've seen that time and time again in the Europa League over the last two years. Michael Beale is clearly a terrific tactician who does a lot of work behind the scenes. And Steven Gerrard clearly gets them motivated to, to follow those tactics out. So... Uh, it's exactly what I would expect from Rangers against that class of opposition. Well played to them. They went out and, and, and executed the plans. Where I think we will need to see where a, a variety of tactical tweaks have been made and how those work will be against a, a, one of the teams that sits deep against Rangers and tries to hit them on the counter-attack. Because all three teams so far that have played against them have gone mano y mano. Even Motherwell, I was very surprised. Motherwell started quite high up the pitch and a sort of uh, what what the coaching jargon would be would be a medium block Fraser. Um they they were not deep at all. They were trying to, to take the game to Rangers and, and that that's mana from heaven because the way Rangers play if there's a little bit of space in behind uh, if they can press up and, and, and take the ball in dangerous areas they're going to cause you serious problems. So that was that 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 that's what you would expect. The problem is where Rangers had problems last season was against teams who were sitting very very deep, compact, um, a bank of four, a bank of five, and then a forward who's doing a lot of uh, heavy lifting, but also coming back and defending. That's where Rangers struggled. So until we see this slightly tweaked team up against a team like that, and I think that may be Coventry on Saturday. 
then we'll not know for sure exactly how um, the adjustments have have worked. Now, you might want me to talk about these adjustments. Um, I mean, very, very subtle, but definitely they are they're playing Haji and Kent much closer to Morelos, mm-hmm. um, really quite high up the pitch. Morel, uh, ha- um, Kent is able to go left or right. There's a lot of uh, rotation, but Haji is staying right up behind the central striker in that number 10 position a lot more. Getting into the box, making runs, stretching teams, and he's been given that that, that freedom to get... Um, a much more natural for him position, a sort of number 10 style position. Um, Kent has taken a position left or right and then the width has been provided by the fullbacks on either side. On top of that, I think Rangers have asked Joe Aribo to push a lot further forwards. Uh, he was a total standout phrase on these games. Looks much, much fitter looks much bulkier, stronger. I mean, really powerful he looks now. And he's always had those gangly legs and the ability to, to win a ball. People thought when he first came, oh, he's going to be a, a, a ball player. And he is, but he's also really good at tackling and he gets in about teams, wins the ball where you wouldn't expect him because he's got those telescopic limbs. Yeah. And, and, and he did that um, for, I think, the first goal against Leon, but he won the ball. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, and... Uh, I, I, I think he is going to be a major player this season because he looks like a guy who's gone, right, I've had my first season, I've settled into Scottish football, I know what's needed. I've gone out and had that pre-season where I've built myself into the player that I need to be to make this work. Uh, and he and he was absolutely terrific, but he is pushing much further forward, getting into that space, into the pockets of space in between the defence and midfield where he can cause problems. And the third goal against Motherwell, which I know you've seen Fraser, was a perfect example of that. Lots of little interchanges, first with Morelos, then Kent, and then he uses that those quick feet that he has to put the ball in the bottom corner and a fine little finish. I think he could be the biggest player that Rangers have this season. If, if he can be the guy that gives them 15 to 20 goals from midfield, if he can do that... Rangers will be a lot closer to Celtic. I'm glad you've taken that pressure off me because this time 12 months ago, for some reason, I don't know why, I tipped Joe Aribo to be the sign-in of the summer in Scottish football. Now, he showed glimpses of it, you're right. He came up here with that um, reputation of being the, the young Yaya Toure, didn't he? Um, yeah. Comparisons to Yaya Toure. He's since had comparisons to Ted McMinn, good old tin man at <laughs> Rangers, a good old Dunhamer like myself. Um, but you can see why. He's, actually, he's got that ability to be a cult hero with that sort of completely unreadable way of playing. You know, his big gangly legs, that, that can certainly be an attribute. And as you said, the quick feet for his goal against Motherwell the other night was something else. I had to rewind and watch that one about three or four times. It was it was tremendous stuff. So, do you think they've now found his best position? Because he was sort of used in, in a variety of midfield areas and even out wide last year, wasn't he? Yeah, he played left back at one stage, Fraser. I mean, he scored a terrific solo goal uh, against uh, Braga uh, to, to equalise um, from left back. And he also played the sort of uh, right number 10 role as well as central midfield. I think Yaya Turi is a great shout, actually. And obviously, he's not the player that Yaya Turi is. But 
I, and I know this always rails fans when they hear this, you know, comparison to other players because they think that automatically whoever's making the comparison is suggesting that Joe Rebo's on par with Yaya Touré. I'm not, but in terms of style... Aye, let's just make clear that it wasn't us <laughs> that comparison. <laughs> but, somebody down south. but I'm validating that comparison because okay. in terms of style... I get exactly what they mean. Now, Yaya Toure can play as a defensive midfielder, like a holder, or he could play further up, or he could play wide. He was one of these guys that he had so much in his locker that he could he could apply those skills to almost any position in the midfield. And listen, Aribo's the same because he can tackle brilliantly, but he's also very skillful with quick feet and a, and a good pass of the ball. So I totally get that comparison. And I think Joe Aribo, as I've said can have a major impact, especially in those games where Rangers are, have traditionally struggled against the Hamiltons, against the St Mirrens, you know, maybe not necessarily so much in Europe and against Celtic, but I think he'll be useful. But but in these games where teams are, are, are sitting back and are tough to break down, having somebody of his quality, I think, could make a, a, a real difference. Yeah, you're right. His defensive work's overlooked as well. I've picked up on that, Charles. I, um, yeah. Listen, what, hard worker. there's also one other aspect to that just you look at Celtic and you look at Ryan Christie how many goals he got last year I think it was over 20 goals Tom Rogic over the years how many he's pinged in from that attacking midfield role there's no doubt that Celtic are getting a lot more in terms of numbers pure numbers goals and assists from that area of the pitch and that's a major problem for Rangers so if Joe Aribo can be the guy who can step up and provide that it's just common sense that the two teams will come closer together in terms of what's needed to win the title. Right, what's needed could consistently come up in terms of Rangers. What's needed, a number 10, somebody to, to break that low block that you love talking about. Um, now, if two players have stood out for me in the, in the last three games, I've got to say it's Ryan Kent and Yanis Hadji, despite yeah. Kent's red card. Okay, There's been enough said about that. But in terms of looking confident, in terms of attacking defenders, looking really, really purposeful on the ball... You still there, Johnny? I am indeed, yes. Sorry, I've got an incoming call here. I wasn't sure if that was going to cut me out. <laughs> no, don't That's worry. The boss. That's the boss chasing me up. We better hurry this one up. Um, <laughs> yes, where was I? Hadji in particular. It looks like he's playing with such confidence and completely unburdened by any pressure. Um, it's a joy to watch and surely should fill Rangers fans with confidence attacking this season. Oh, absolutely. And, and Hadji was one of these guys that you, you, you saw last season... And I would give him a 7 out of 10 for his loan spell. He had terrific moments in the Europa League. And you could tell he was a quality player, but he didn't have a huge impact on quite a few of the games that, that he was involved in. But he's such a talent. He's, he's a clever lad. And you just look at him, you felt he was one that Rangers were wise to invest in because he's a guy who clearly has the ability to improve and develop. And if he's put in the right role in the team, then he can be a, he can have a huge impact. And I, I, I can see what Rangers are trying to do with Hadji in terms of trying to get him in that position, that position that his dad played in for so many years so well, just in behind the striker. He's got a terrific shot. Absolute, he hits him with absolute venom. He's, he's, a, he's a guy who can pick out a pass 
And he even showed that the, uh, the game against Motherwell, he's, a, he's someone who can get on the end of a header, which is something I didn't think was in his locker, but clearly he has. Uh, so so that's the result. Yeah, and that's the result of Rangers getting him closer to that striker. Now, that was a big problem last year when Rangers didn't have Alfredo Morelos. Because Morelos can hold the ball up well, Rangers were able to ping it up to him, he would hold it up, and others would join. When Jermaine Defoe was playing up there, Jermaine Defoe's not that type of player, and it left him looking a bit isolated at times. But this year... And we saw this against Leon because Jermaine Defoe was the main striker against Leon. Because they're getting players really in and around that striker, much higher up the pitch, then they are much more connected and, and I think a lot more dangerous. And listen, the proof of the pudding is in the Eaton Fraser. Uh, Ryan Kent had 21 games in the league last year. He scored seven goals and had no assists. Mm-hmm. He's had three games in pre-season. He's got one goal and two assists. Yeah. Now... The reason I would tell Rangers fans it's promising but don't get ahead of yourself is once again to go back to that point these are teams that have come on to Rangers as well. So if he can carry that form into against the, the teams like Coventry and and you know we, I, I would imagine Aberdeen to play uh, in a defensive manner even though they're at home at Pataudry if he can carry that, that form into those two games I think the evidence will start to, to rack up that this it's quite a subtle tactical change that's taking place and to get players closer to the striker at Rangers is having a big effect. Yeah. Yes. Now, right, as we move towards wrapping up, we started at the back, we moved to the front, let's go back to finish at the back. And um, for me, what a start John McLaughlin's made to his Rangers career. Now, I spoke to Jim Stewart, the goalkeeping guru, a month or two ago. And he said at that point, it's almost as, as if he saw this signing coming. He said one of the most important pieces of business Stephen Gerrard can do this summer is to bring in a number two who is completely reliable, a Neil Alexander type from a, a decade ago. Um, the loss of Wes Fodderingham obviously left a huge gap, but they moved quickly and they brought in McLaughlin. And to be honest, I, I don't think maybe anyone could have expected them to make such an impact in the, the, the friendly games that he's played so far. He's looked assured. He's looked confident coming off his line. He's made massive saves. And, you know, you, you just do not know what's going to happen to Alan McGregor this season. Touch wood, he'll be absolutely fine. But, you know, he's, he's getting on. Um, he's had to be rested a couple of games. Is the thing it's pretty well known. He's got niggles in his back that, that just come with the, the passage of time. So McLaughlin could be a huge player for Rangers this season, I would suggest. And um, it looks like it's just fitted in seamlessly. I'd echo everything you've said there, Fraser. I, I was a little bit dubious about the signing. I've got to be honest. I'd seen a little bit of him at Hearts, and I thought he was a solid keeper. But I was surprised that Rangers moved for him because I know uh, Vlakov Hladky was available, and he's a guy that really, really impressed me. And I thought they would go for him. But do you know what? Um, what do I know? Because pre-season, the biggest compliment I can give John McLaughlin is I'm not sure who's going to start as number one now. Honestly, he is close. Um, I think we all know is it's going to be McGregor, and it absolutely should be McGregor. It would be a, a travesty after everything he's achieved and the, the consistency he's shown in the last two years if he suddenly was to lose his place. But but he knows he's been pushed now. Oh my word, he knows he's been pushed to keep hold of that jersey. 
I think Steven Gerrard won't have any uh, sentiment about that. I honestly don't, Fraser. I think if he thinks McLaughlin's in better form, he'll start with McLaughlin. And um, it, it's going to be interesting. I've just got a wee sneaky that John McLaughlin could start against Aberdeen. I might be completely wrong, but I, I was just so impressed by him, especially with the ball at his feet, um, which isn't McGregor's comfort zone. And he, was, he took the ball in tight areas and, and moved it quite nicely in these games. And I just wonder, you know, if he's if he's really made a big impression. I'll be interested if someone asks about that uh, in the pressers to come because mm-hmm. I, I, I think you're absolutely right to highlight him because he's been very, very impressive. And, you know, you're talking about his feet, which you're right, the composure there, but massive thing for goalkeepers at that level is just the aura they exude, the calm, nothing unflusterable. Um, nothing will get, will get them you know, Alan McGregor's the best at it yeah that is his oh, absolute 40 so ca- never gets carried away and I think John McLaughlin just looked like a carbon copy of that almost so hi excellent signing moving on what, friendly against Coventry this Saturday Johnny what, what do you think they'll offer because they're going up to championship again they're, they're a club on their eyes yeah absolutely they're a, they're a side that's improving However, I would expect them to come to Ibrox and play in a certain way. I don't think Gerard would have selected them unless he felt they would do that because that's what Rangers really need to improve. Going up against a side that goes mano a mano, we know that they'll take care of Coventry. Uh, no problem. I, I would fully expect them to. Um, but it's against a side with a, a real disciplined defence. And, and I, I would imagine that that's been part of the discussions, you know, in terms of getting a side like that. Now, I know pre-season has been difficult because of COVID-19 and um, there's been imperfect solutions that have been foisted upon elite clubs. Um, but I think they would want to test all the work that they've done uh, against the kind of side that they'll be facing in the in the Premiership and the kind of strategy they'll be facing in the Premiership. So so that's what I'd expect for them. I expect a really good game and I, I'll be fascinated to see how they perform. There's no doubt Rangers have, have played terrifically in pre-season, Fraser, but as Barry Ferguson said, you know, it all goes out the window if they don't beat Aberdeen. So that's the reality of being a Rangers player. Um, but Stephen Gerrard, I think, will be delighted with the platform that he's been able to give the players in such a a difficult situation you know normally they'd be away in, in sunny climes uh, Dubai or Tenerife or, or Spain or wherever and they've not had that this year but the, the players look terrifically fit and they look uh, ready and raring to go Brilliant as you say Pitodre will be the acid test they don't come much tougher 7 days 14, 15 hours and counting Oh, can't wait <laughs> what a start to the season ok that's all for us thanks again Johnny we'll be back next week with more Rangers action if you want to get in touch contact us on Twitter I'm at Dunhamer79 Johnny is at Johnny R McFarlane if you enjoyed the pod do us a favour and leave us a review on iTunes as this gets us in the ears of as many listeners as possible and until the next time thanks for listening 